720 WGN. People are fired up about our conversation with the Respiratory Association guy and gas stoves. We'll share some of their texts and your feelings coming up. But Tom Skilling is with us from WGN TV. Um, not only are we going to talk about that cloud, so Google cloud over Turkey so you know what we're talking about. But Tom, we have snow on the way, don't we? We do. Lisa, yeah, uh, and we've got something of a snow drought going, so it's quite interesting. In fact, the pattern that's shaping up over the next week is far more active. This may be one of three systems we're watching. Uh, one comes in tomorrow. It'll start probably about 3 or 4 in the morning here in the city, a little sooner south and west. Probably will run about 6 to 8 hours out in the western suburbs, maybe as many as 10 to 12 hours uh, up against the lake. Uh, tomorrow, and we may get about three to five inches of snow out of that, trending heavier as you head south. There'll be even more snow that downstate in uh, central Illinois and Indiana. Places like uh, Champaign and Indianapolis, they wind up with something around six to ten inches of snow. Mm-hmm. Then there's another one, uh, some snow showers Friday, another snow system perhaps Saturday afternoon into Sunday, and another one that may occur uh, in the Tuesday-Wednesday time frame next week as we head into much colder uh, Arctic air next week. So all of a sudden, we're backloading winter with some real uh, meteorological action around here. You said we wouldn't skate by without it. This is Tom Skilling, our beloved WGN meteorologist. And and I love on Tuesdays when he joins us. It's sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. So we will get back to that snow. But there's a couple other stories. We laughed so hard on the show yesterday when everybody took a look at that cloud over Turkey because some people saw a cinnamon bun, some people saw lips. If I looked out my window and saw that cloud, I would think the end of the world is coming. What the heck is yeah. that? It was really interesting. It brought a lot of mail in. Um, that was a form of lenticular cloud. It was pretty plain from the beginning, although it was really unusual looking. Lenticular clouds have often been referred to as flying saucer clouds, and they often occur because of uh, the wave pattern and the air movement over mountains. And that seems to be what was going on over in uh, Turkey when this thing formed. Um, you, you get these, they're called standing wave clouds. If you were to animate that, you'd see air actually running through it. But when you're looking at it uh, without the benefit of animation, uh, it looks like just a, a weird uh, flying saucer or lens-shaped cloud. And that one was particularly dramatic. It captured the attention of uh, news organizations around the world. And so I'm not surprised you guys uh, noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Wasn't. In fact, if there's anyone listening that hasn't taken a look at this picture, just Google cloud over Turkey and you'll see what we're talking about. Because, uh, Tom, yeah. has there? I've never seen a photo like that published before. You know, uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, Lisa, the, uh, the cloud formations that nature presents us with are sometimes truly dramatic. That was uh, indefinitely in the upper tier of interesting cloud photos. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of them out there. Uh, Mother Nature is pretty amazing in what she presents to us at times. Absolutely. Well, we were really happy to have a little sunshine yesterday and a little today. But overall, do you have the stats? Because everybody has been in a gloomy mood, which is representative of what we've seen in the sky. Oh, no question. I mean, before yesterday, we'd gone seven consecutive days without so much as a ray of sunshine around here. And if you look at January, 
Uh, there have only been seven years in which uh, January has had more cloudy days than totally cloudy days, total sun-blocking cloudy days. Uh, in uh, all the time, we have cloud data, which goes back to 1894. We have sunshine data back to that time. And uh, it turns out there have only been seven other years uh, of all those years uh, in which have had more clouds. We've had 14 of the first 23 days of January that have been totally overcast. So little wonder we're all kind of suffering from uh, a case of uh, sad yeah. seasonal affective disorder. You know, no question about it. And it affects our psychological outlook and our, you know, just how we feel about life uh, in many cases. Some folks are more vulnerable than others to that, but that's pretty well established. Yeah, and you just see people are grumpier. They're they're not as kind yeah. when you interact with them, and they're just like, I, I hate this weather. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I'm often thought, Lisa, I think uh, the shortness of the days in winter and also the tendency that months like uh, November, December, January, February, which tend to be cloudy months, you know, a typical January around here produces just 40% of its possible sun. We're running at, at 18, 19% this January, about half the normal amount. And normal amounts of sunshine in January are nothing to write home about. So this is a particularly drab-looking January. I'll tell you one thing, though. Uh, the cloud cover at night has acted like a blanket. And so when you look at temperatures, this is the uh, 24th consecutive day uh, of above-normal temperatures. And, uh, you know, that snow we got yesterday on Sunday, the inch and a half of snow, that was the first inch or more of snow that we've received around here since way back on December 22nd, more than a month ago. So um, we've been warm. Uh, we've been in a snow drought. We've only had 35% of our normal snow this winter, six inches, a little more than that. Should have had close to 20 inches by now. And also, uh, you notice there's no ice on the lake, which is right. unusual. Great Lakes ice coverage is way down this year. In fact, over on, we only have about 40% the average ice that we have on the Great Lakes. And what ice is showing up on Lake Michigan is way up by Green Bay and the north end of the lake. Uh, lake Erie has only had 1% of its, uh, only has 1% of its average uh, ice cover uh, at this time of the year. And among the effects of that is, A, you increase the evaporation from the lakes, which drops lake levels, but also you increase the amount of snow that occurs in lake snow belts. Witness what we've been seeing around Buffalo, New York, and all, and uh, multiple times this winter. So it, it has some interesting impacts uh, on, it's great for shipping. It opens up the right. uh, Great Lakes for shipping for a longer season. But on the other hand, in the long run, if it drops lake levels, you can get some of these uh, corollary shipping lanes uh, adjacent to the lakes that drop off and uh, restrict shipping. So a lot of impacts from that. We appreciate your expertise. Tom Skilling is with us from WGN-TV. Mary's going to check the current temps and traffic, and then we're going to come back and talk about that snow that's on the way and maybe some cold weather as well. What's going on, Mayor? 720 WGN. Thanks for joining us for the Lisa Dent Show. We always look forward to Tuesdays because we get to have a conversation with Tom Skilling from WGN-TV. And Tom, when we were talking about ice on the lakes, you see how many people 
who have had trucks that have gone through the ice in Minnesota? No, I have not seen a stat, but I'm not surprised. Has that number been established? I think on Sunday there were seven trucks that went through in wow. one lake because that's that's just part of winter weather up there. And I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't know these warm temps were having that kind of an impact. Yeah, you would think that you'd be a little cautious uh, about that. Yeah, you I wonder, think. too, you know, if we aren't going to have some issues with drownings and all, because, uh, you know, we now like next week when the cold air hits, and it's going to get colder next week than we've been for a long time since back in December, um, we'll probably increase the ice coverage. But that's a danger because, you know, young people see some ice and they think, oh, they can venture out on it. And I hope they don't, because yeah. uh, the results can be tragic. Well, Chicago area snow removal companies are pretty excited because it looks like we've got snow on the way tonight, and then that will be followed by cold weather. So spell it out for us, Tom. Well, you know, the snow arrives with this system. The heaviest will fall downstate. The storm is tracking from Texas up along the Ohio River Valley, and anybody who's followed these storms knows that's a track that lays down the heaviest snow through central Illinois and Indiana and the northwest Ohio uh, and perhaps southern lower Michigan. But we're going to get a a significant snow out of this. Uh, You know, in fact, it's been such an anemic snow season that the three to five inches that may come down on average across the Chicago area, more south than north, could be one of the bigger snows so far this anemic snow season. So that's kind of interesting. And it won't be the last we see in the next week if uh, some of our computer modeling uh, verifies. We'll get some uh, snow to start around 3, 4 in the morning in the city. It'll snow through the morning rush hour. And along Lake Michigan, it could still be snowing in the evening rush uh, period tomorrow. Then just flurries on Thursday, another batch of snow showers with a cold front Friday. And Saturday could see some overrunning snow start developing again and sticking in the afternoon and into Sunday. So that'll be one to watch. And there's another system that might be one to watch out in the Tuesday-Wednesday range next week. That's far off, so a lot can happen. But uh, this indicates a more active snowy period than we've seen at any point this, this season so far. So if you work remotely, work from home tomorrow or take mass transportation, because if it starts snowing at three or four in the morning and continues until the evening rush, that's going to make for a messy commute. You know, the one thing uh, about this is the temperatures will be such that the chemicals will work fine. And I'm sure all of our snow removal uh, folks at Streets and Sand and all the other areas around here are aware this thing is coming. So they'll be ready for it. Uh, but, you know, it's you're very wise and suggesting folks take it a little bit easy. Some of the less traveled through affairs are always the ones that are troublesome. And, and I hope one of those snowplows gets named after you, Tom. Ah! <laughs> well, that would be a unique uh, development, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, Stand it would. <laughs> well, thank you so much for checking in on the show today. So snow is on the way, 3 or 4 in the morning in Chicago. Of course, I would imagine that if you're further out, that will start sooner, Correct. That's correct. Yes, it's it's coming in from the southwest, uh, Lisa, yeah. And we may get a little lake enhancement along the lakeshore. It doesn't look like a tremendous amount of enhancement, but the snow may may run, as I say, six, eight hours out in the western suburbs steadily. It'll flurry and snow shower beyond that into Thursday. And perhaps, uh, you know, anywhere from 10 to 14 hours right up against the lake. So it's enough time to put down some snow. Yep, get your shovels out. Thank you, Tom. Have a great day.
You too, Lisa. Good to talk to you as always. Always good to talk to you. In fact, we just got a text and they said, can I just say how lucky we are as Chicagoans to have Tom and Demetrius as our meteorologists? We get the best of everything in Chicago, don't we? We really do. He is such a treasure. I had no idea you people would get so fired up about gas stoves. No one's taking your stove away, although some people are indicating this is just a backdoor way. I'm sorry, did you say fired up? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, here's, here's, this is reminiscent of the text. Lisa, remember your grandparents who used a gas stove all their long lives? They also lived in houses that, compared to nowadays, leaked like sieves and were always losing the pollution to the out-of-doors by being in airtight houses. We get to rebreathe all the chemicals that we used to lose to the environment in exchange for saving a few shekels on the utility bill. That's from Peter. Um, but there's a whole host of people, and very few people are really in in favor of it and i think the point because he represents the respiratory association is that if you get kids with asthma or maybe you have somebody with copd in your in your house it might be good to make sure that 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 fan vent is vented outside and that it's always on when you're cooking i think that's all they're trying to say um let me read a few more of these this is one of my favorites <laughs> We've had gas stoves forever, so why would the numbers suddenly be going up? I don't have a gun, but you will pry my gas range out of my cold, dead hands. Everybody's so (laughs) eager to fight. Put your dukes up. You're not taking my stove. (laughs) And so it said, if the gas stove is used properly, there is no problem. Environmentalists will say and do anything to make fossil fuels a problem. How much does a gas stove in a home really contribute to global warming? Again, I don't think that's the discussion. The discussion is, what does it do if you already have health problems related to your lungs, kids with asthma or people with COPD? So, um, you know, if it's an issue, look into it. it. If it doesn't bother you at all, carry on. You know, I don't think it's it's going to be much of an issue. A lot of messages coming in about the Oscars. And Michael Piff, who works here at the radio station, he said, Mary inspired me. What a... Yeah, this is what we have to do. So he actually got together with our buddy Dave Marzullo, and they just posted on WGN Radio where to find the Oscar-nominated films. I'm so excited about this. Because Mary was like, well, where do you even see these films? And um, so the story is up at WGNRadio.com. So if you're thinking, oh, I heard about all these nominations. Where do I see it? Well, that's where. Uh, people are saying, Fableman's disappointing. Nope. Love Steven, though. Avatar, nope. Maverick, yep. Interesting that Tom Cruise did not get nominated. We'll have to talk to Sam Rubin about that. Another said, some wonder why the ratings are low for these award shows. Most of the movies are nowhere to be found unless you subscribe to every outlet. I only saw Maverick in the theater in Elvis at a friend's house, or I'll wait until it comes on demand. <laughs> that's been that's been said about the Oscars for 30 years. So, yeah, I know. know. That's it. But no one sees the nominated movies and... I get it. People still watch. I mean, who knows who's going to get punched? (laughs) That's exactly what we'll watch. Steve has your news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. And then Terry Savage joins us after four. You've got a question. Text it now. WGN. 